When it comes to New York foods, for a lot of people, pizza tops the list of favorites. No doubt New Yorkers know their stuff when it comes to sauce, crust, and cheese. Pizza has a long history in the Big Apple. In fact, New York is home to what's said to be the first pizzeria in America, Lombardi's in Manhattan. Sal Natale has been making pizza in the Bronx since the 1970s. He owns a place called Pugsley right outside the gates of Fordham University. His secret to a good slice? Make it the way of picture yourself on the other side of the counter. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. More words of pizza-making wisdom from Sal Natale coming up in the show. But first, a guy who turned his passion for pizza into a tour company. Brooklyn resident Scott Weiner runs tours of significant pizzerias in New York City. I visited with him at his apartment in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, where he keeps a super large collection of pizza boxes. Maybe around 10 years ago, I really started directing energy toward pizza in a way of seeking out pizzerias. I would hear about a place, oh, I've heard that's a neat place that's not in my neighborhood. Let's go out and go. And maybe it would be a few miles away. Maybe it would be a day trip away. And then I found myself visiting pizzerias as an activity for fun. Let's all go out and pile in my car and visit three pizzerias in Trenton or in New Haven. And that's kind of when it turned into something as an activity for me. So you and your friends were piling in your car and going to hang out at pizza shops. When did you decide to make a business out of it, to do pizza tours? It was, I remember exactly when it was. It was late November of 2007 that I decided that I was going to do it. And what happened was I was... um, In October of 2007, I decided for my 26th birthday, I was going to rent a bus with the driver, and I was going to have him drive us all over New York and visit my favorite pizzerias that were interesting historically and culturally and had good food, and we would just grab the pizza, bring it onto the bus, and eat it while we drove to the next place. It would just be an all-day lunch, and it was so much fun, and it took a month of pestering, but finally my friends pestered me enough and convinced me to try it as a business. And I launched it as a company six months after that first birthday party, and um, I've been doing it ever since. So what's involved in your tours? Where do you take people? So the tours are, they're funny, they're all different. I do a bus tour every Sunday that goes to four pizzerias all around the boroughs, and I do a walking tour, or I do four different walking tours depending on what day of the week you sign up, in Brooklyn, the Lower East Side of Manhattan, Greenwich Village, Soho, Um, you know, all over the place. And the way the format works is all the formats are pretty much the same. We walk into a pizzeria, we sit down, I give a little historical background, then I take groups into the kitchen to see the oven, explain how this oven works. Oh, this is a wood-fired brick oven. This is a coal-fired brick oven. This is a masonry-built oven. This is a manufactured oven. This is a stainless steel-coated oven. This is an internal combustion uh, gas-fueled oven. This is external, all this kind of stuff. And then, of course... We eat a slice. And after learning all about the oven, as we eat the slice, everybody closes their eyes and they think a little deeper about what it is that they're eating and what they're experiencing. And then people take notes in little pizza journals that I give out to them on the tour. And um, we get onto the bus or we walk outside afterwards and we have a, a brainstorm about what we just ate, an analysis. So we break it down. Somebody says, I didn't think that there was enough garlic in that sauce. Then somebody says, I didn't think there was any, and I liked it. And somebody says, the cheese was too stringy, and somebody says, there was too much cheese. You know, it's a big discussion. After they tell me what they think about it, then either 
either I or one of my other tour guides who's leading the tour will explain, well, here's why they did what they did. Because we take people to pizzerias that kind of set up historical and cultural uh, platforms so that we use them as examples, not just as, oh, we're taking you to Fiori's on Bleecker Street because it's the best. No, that's lame. It's we're taking you to Fiori's on Bleecker Street because we want you to understand a rotary gas-fueled oven with zero brick. We want you to understand a starter culture being used for fermentation. We want you to understand low-moisture mozzarella that is not shredded but is cubed. So it's principles that we're explaining, not just the pizza itself. It's scientific. So much science, so much history. What would you say is the most interesting piece of history when it comes to pizza in New York City? Well, I think people are always baffled by the fact that pizza was not very popular until after the Second World War. Because before that time period, pizza was only in these little Italian communities and you ate it if you lived in those communities. And if you didn't, then you probably did not eat it. And it wasn't until after World War II that there was this real explosion of interest in pizza as a food. So uh, people are baffled by that. I think a lot of people don't, don't get it. Now, in addition to running pizza tours, you collect pizza boxes. In fact, you have the world's largest collection of pizza boxes, right? Guinness approved. It's in the Guinness book. I have a plaque on my wall over here that says world record. Yeah, I have, at this point, I have over 850 pizza boxes in my apartment, which we are standing in right now. Over 850 pizza boxes. When did you start collecting and why? I started collecting right around when I began the pizza tour in 2008. And the reason I started collecting them was because I know what pizza boxes look like, and every listener knows what they look like. They're white or they're brown craft paper, and they've got red and or black and or green, and it just says the name of the pizzeria, you've tried the rest, now try the best, whatever. And I was on a trip in Israel in 2008, the first week of 2008, I think it was, and I saw a box that was yellow and had blue writing, And, of course, it was in Hebrew, and it had an image of pizza that was just very bizarre, and I didn't expect it, and that that intrigued me. So I took a picture, and then I started taking more pictures of pizza boxes on that trip. And when I got back home, I grabbed a box that I saw at a pizzeria that looked neat, and it was a Roma Foods, what did it say on the side of the box? Something like, Tour of Italy, Volume 3. And I looked at that, and I said, wait a second, Volume 3? What happened to 1 and 2? Are you telling me that there are pizza boxes out there that are in categories and limited? I said, i got to collect them. People must collect them. I had no idea. Nobody collects them. I started grabbing them. Then I realized I had 100, 200. I uh, started doing little pizza box art shows around town just to show people what pizza boxes look like around the world. Friends and relatives would go on a trip. They go to Kazakhstan and bring me back a pizza box. They go, you know, wherever, Costa Rica, bring me a pizza box. It just it started blowing my mind. And then I realized, you know what? Maybe I have enough. Maybe I should contact Guinness Book. Because growing up, I used to read that book all the time. Every year I'd get it. And you just think, you flip through that book. And the people in that book are just, it's really bizarre. And I just thought, why not? Why not try for it? So they said, well, you know what? We can start that as a record, but we need to have at least 500. And then I counted and I saw I had more than that. From how many countries do you have pizza boxes? I currently have just over 50 countries, over 850 boxes, and um, new ones coming in every other day. Do you have all of the states in the U.S. represented? I don't have every state, and I don't know offhand which ones I'm missing, but I feel like I'm missing at least one of the Dakotas, so that's a problem. 
I don't think I have any from Maine. That's a, no, I do. You're right. Yeah, I do have Maine. But you know, I I'm sure that there's Hawaii. I have no Hawaii. But so I'll if work. anyone's listening right now, they can mail you a box. Yeah, people can mail me boxes, and I always tell people, listen, if you mail me ten unique boxes that I don't already have, I'll send you a ticket to the pizza tour free. That's yours, Scott. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. That was Scott Weiner. He's the owner of Scott's Pizza Tours. You can learn more about him at scottspizzatours.com. Scott Weiner, not the only one in New York City with profound appreciation for pizza and pizza places in the Big Apple. Next on Cityscape, how five guys turned their love for pizza into a coffee table book. The New York Pizza Project features photographs of pizzerias, as well as the stories of shop owners, employees, and patrons. With me in the studio are two of the five gentlemen behind the project, Gabe Zimmer and Nick Johnson. Gabe, hello. Hey, George. Thanks for having us. Nick, hello to you. How's it going, George? So what inspired this project? Well, we all grew up in New York City. We all grew up going to... The pizzerias that were, you know, in our neighborhood a few blocks from where we lived. And I think we came to a realization that these places had uh, an important place for us as native New Yorkers and just as um, places that we sh- we had a shared experience going to as kids and, and, and throughout our lives. Uh, that, you know, we still, we still frequent pizzerias all the time, uh, especially because of this project so we we just we wanted to focus on um the neighborhood shops the mom and pop shops and sort of go in and and talk to the people who work there talk to the people who eat there uh and hear their stories and sort of and document them because we also noticed over the years that they are slowly disappearing um and that's that's how that's how it started um right now, when you say we all, there are three more of you behind this project, right? Yeah, so there's five of us. Gabe and I are the photographers. The other three guys uh, were instrumental in getting interviews, uh, organizing the project. You know, a lot a lot goes into publishing a book, especially self-publishing a book. So uh, the other three guys, um, you know, do their part as well. Gabe, you said you all grew up, of course, going to your local pizza place. Did you know each other as kids? We went uh, to high school together. You all went to high school together. No, well, Gabe and I did. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. the, the two uh, of you did. Yeah, you know, as growing up in New York, it's actually uh, a surprisingly small town. Uh, you, you know, if you're a city kid, chances are, you know, you're separated by you know two degrees to you know a, another city kid. So, um, yeah, you know, a few of us met a little later on, but um, yeah, Gabe and I went to high school together. So, there's history. You mentioned that pizza shops are disappearing in New York City. Is that due to gentrification, rising rents, or causing them to close up shop? Yeah, um, that's a big part of it. There's also a factor of that a lot of these pizzerias were started by immigrants, um, by first-generation immigrants, and that they, uh, I think they, they began uh, as an idea that they could do better for their children by creating these businesses and then um, allow their kids to go to school and create better lives for themselves. So I think that's also a factor um, that, that the, the next generation doesn't necessarily want to pick up the, you know, the family business as, as it is. But 
uh, certainly uh, rising rents and and changing neighborhoods is a big factor in, in why the, we see these places uh, slowly closing. I'd say that the the landscape of pizza is changing a bit, or the cityscape of pizza is changing a bit. You know, you have new places, Neapolitan style pizzerias, fancier pizzerias that are very trendy at the moment, popping up everywhere, all over New York City. Uh, and you also have the rise of dollar slices, which has become very popular in the past five years. So these traditional you know, classic New York City pizzerias are kind of being squeezed on both ends. So, and you guys only focused on the slice joint. You did not focus on the pizza restaurant, if you will. Yeah, yeah. We we found that, that they're, they're just different worlds of pizza. Um, we certainly enjoy our, our fancy Neapolitan pie as well, but it's not the same experience as what we were trying to capture where you – walk into a slice pizzeria, you know, order your slice at the counter, have your small interaction with whoever is behind there, sit down, and, and you know, all within the course of 10 minutes, you get a very unique New York City experience that you don't really get anywhere else in the world, I think. So that's that's what we focused on. This book does not delve into the quality of the slice, though. You do not give a review on what the pizza tastes like. Right. We're not food critics. We certainly have eaten a lot of pizza uh, on our journeys, but um, we're yeah. It was not. It was never about food for us. Uh, it was always about the people, the places, the look, the the you know taking exterior shots of the signage on outside and. Yeah, food was never the the mission. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're as photographers, we're we're very visual people, also. So we we find awesome things in the places that maybe don't serve the best slice too you know mm-hmm. it's and you know some of the dirtier places tend to have kind of amazing looks as well um and even some of the places that serve the best slices in new york city quote unquote are not the cleanest places um so uh we we love that we love the grit of these places we love we love the sort of when you can see the age and and see get the feeling that these places have been doing the same thing day in, day out for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. Um, a lot of orange booths in pizzerias throughout New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, there's there's a there's a number of, of sort of staples that I think you find, the orange booths, the mirrored walls, tiled walls as well. Yeah, we we've attempted to like dive into like where these things come from. And when you ask a pizza guy you know, your sign is amazing. Like, where where did you where did you get the sign? How did you create it? They just respond something like, "Oh, the sign guy." You know, like <laughs> you, there, there's not there's not much to it. You know, yeah, we find that it's there. It's not like it's not very self aware. You know, it, it is what it is. And and while you know we may think it's beautiful, the people who have been working there for for their whole lives just you know it's it's kind of what they do. Um, so. When you know, we we always ask sort of more open ended questions. You know, what is what does pizza uh, mean to New York City to you? You know, or you know, try and get a little deeper. And and sometimes we'll get sort of more focused, thoughtful answers. But a lot of times, it's it's sort of like it's fast, it's quick, it's delicious, it's easy. I mean, that's what that's what fits in this town. You know, people only have a certain amount of time with they that they can spend 
eating or that you know there a lot, a lot of people are very busy in new york and it's and it's a great thing to eat and it's cheap and it's it gets the job done so what know. about though for the makers is there a lot of pride involved to make sure that they are serving the best slice you ask any of these guys you know the, the, if who the best pizza in new york is and most of them are going to say that they make the best pizza in new york uh, there's certainly a lot of pride in it and ego, uh, apparently, <laughs> and and ego for sure. Um, you know, it, it could be an Italian thing. There's a lot of like, you know, braggadocio. Like it, it's a, yeah, yeah. No, I mean they definitely they definitely take pride in their work um, and in the ingredients they use. And 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 a lot of the places that we've been to since they have been there for a long time, they really respect like the original recipes, um, the people who created the original recipes, and they and they. That that's part of their story, um, and and they like to tell that and then make sure that you know that that this is something that they've been doing in their family for a long time, and it's important to them. Um, and a lot of the the pizza makers grew up in these pizzerias, also, so it's something they saw their their parents doing, even their their grandparents, and and there's pride in that as well. You open the book with a pizza maker named Nick at Sutton Pizzeria on the Upper East Side, and he says he started working there at four years old, and yeah. he meant that literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't mm-hmm. joking. I mean, he's he was in the kitchen doing dishes, doing whatever he could do at four, you know, that could help his dad in the, in the pizzeria. Um, you see that a lot, you know, intergenerational uh, pizza, you know, empires. <laughs> Are most pizza makers men, or are there a fair number of women in the business in New York City? Most are definitely men. Uh, we we really try. We kept our eye out for for women makers, and we did come across a few. Um, one is John's in Elmhurst. Yeah, in John's Queens. in in Queens. It's run by two women, uh, older women who are. I think it's just all female run. It's yeah. definitely. I'm going to go out, go out and say it's probably the only all-female run pizzeria in New York City. Classic place, beautiful signage. I mean, just just a wild interior. Yeah. Um, and they, they, she. I remember asking her, you know, how, how is a place like this like maintained its look? And she just said that uh, they they have no interest in changing it. That everyone in the neighborhood, uh, you know, moves away and comes back home and just you know kind of presses them to to keep it the way it is so they do. That said, is there pressure to modernize for many of these pizzerias? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. I think the people, there are pizzerias that we come across who really appreciate that they haven't changed and they take a pride in that. But then sometimes we come across places that used to have amazing signs and then they put up an awning, you know, a new awning and they feel like they that they had to have their website on it or they had to update it in some way and so they just went kind of like a much more a much simpler and boring route in our our opinion and we always hate to see like the the classic signs disappear because they have so much character in them. Um and you hear like this place San Remo which is in Ditmas Park all of my friends uh grew up going to San Remo and would tell me about how incredible the interior was and the sign was outside. And by the time we got around going to it, they had fully renovated. You know, it looked like any other, you know, kind of modern place, uh, modern restaurant. And it just kind of took out a lot of the character, which was sad to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a kind of patina that, that a place right. like builds up over time it's and a, gre- a grease patina. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, you know, I get it that you don't want your place 
feeling gross in there, but uh, at the same time, there's a real authenticity to those places. And I think when you're, I mean, we just we love that stuff. We when we're sitting in a pizzeria that that has that, it just it's yeah. we can hang out there all day. We're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> How many pizzerias did you frequent for this project? We went to over a hundred. So over the course of four years, uh, we we traveled on weeknights and weekends to to basically we'd choose a neighborhood and then uh, go to a pizzeria in that neighborhood and ask the people who were eating there and the and the and the makers what else was in the neighborhood, what what else we should go check out. So oftentimes we would go to three or four places in a in a each visit and. So yeah, we went to over a hundred, and, and after about four years, I, I'd say we 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 reached a point where we thought, okay, we have enough content now. Let's try and make a book out of it. How, if at all, did the pizza shops vary by borough? Are they any different on Staten Island than they are in the Bronx or Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, well, with Staten Island, it's interesting because it's more of a driving borough than the other boroughs. So there aren't as many slice pizzerias because of that. There's just less foot traffic. So the slice pizzerias that we didn't, did come across were awesome and, and had their you know their characters um, in them as well, but there were fewer and far between. I don't know. I mean, to me, like I, I grew up in Brooklyn. I, there, there are so many good pizzerias in Brooklyn. I feel like the heart of, of like slice pizzerias really started there um and grew grew out from there so to me there's you could you could go to a lot of different neighborhoods in brooklyn and and find a lot of amazing slice pizzerias mm-hmm. nick thank you so much thanks george gabe thank you thanks a lot that was gabe zimmer and nick johnson two of the five guys behind the new york pizza project more info at nypizzaproject.com Finally today, we pay a visit to one of the pizza makers featured in the New York Pizza Project. We briefly heard from him earlier in the show. Sal Natale owns Pugsley Pizza just outside the gates of Fordham University in the Bronx. His pizzeria is on the site of a former junkyard. How long, Sal, have you been making pizza in the Bronx? I've been making pizza since uh, the 70s. I started in the 70s. After Woodstock. After Woodstock. You turned a junkyard into a pizza place here in the Bronx, right? This area was once a junkyard. Yeah. Well, this uh, historical, let's say this used to be a horse stable. A horse stable? Horse stable. And from a horse stable became a body shop. And people start to paint a massive noise of electric tools. So this is the building talking, you know. Then after that, became a junkyard, and people start throwing rubbish, you know, junk all over, and uh, it was so unbearable, the pain, you know, so to speak, like it was so bad that the building was prayed to die. He, like, wanted to die. They get the, the point to say, you know. So, essentially, you were a man with vision. Here you had this I location had right outside of the gates of Fordham University, and you saw a great opportunity. Yes. Because we had a first, we had a pizza store on 194th and Briggs. If you know, I think you know on Webster Ave used to be a trestle, 
beautiful bridge, iron, raw iron, beautiful bridge. And students used to cross and go to Jerome with the train. And all the action was there, like the land, uh, Clark, uh, the bars was, was there. So and we had a pizza store of 194 and bricks. That's why I got to know. We were, in fact, we were the solo pizza rear for Fordham. And then other places opened up. So from there, meeting the college student, I said, ah, look at what a beautiful quality of people. You know, like here in this Bronx, they just like that. And I didn't see, like, the mixture neighborhood. And, you know what I mean? So let, I said, let me open a place for the college, for the student. So, and that's how, that's how Pubs League came about. So it sounds like your primary clientele, your customers, primarily are Fordham University students. Fordham University. This is Fordham Place. I don't want to call it Fordham. It's independent. You know what I'm saying? We'll be... Uh, Fordham, proud of Fordham students, uh, happy to deal with the Fordham students. It's a quality of people that I can have my wife and my daughter here working. I feel very safe and very good about it. So, you know. This is very much a family business, it's right? It's a family business, yeah. It's not just the student, also the staff and the faculty. Beautiful people, like, you understand? It's. it's it's amazing. It's a great. You know, we love to. Oh, I wish I never get old, but you know. So your wife, your daughter, who else yeah, works here? My son works here. Yeah. You are like a rock star, from what I understand, to the Fordham uh, University students. They yeah. absolutely yeah. love you. Why do they love Salvatale so much? People like you when you're transparent. You know, so it's like sometimes when I when I say something and it's a joke. I'm making sure that they know that I know that I know that they know what we're talking about. So basically, we are transparent. We don't get into personal things. We have a, a open and sincere relation. You know, they have the dollar. We got the pizza. You've been making pizza since the 1970s. I still don't know how. And I still don't know how. No, I think you know how. But you also seem so enthusiastic about making pizza so many years after you started. Yeah, because, you know, uh, George, the thing is that uh, I I think, in other words, in anything, I look really good on it. You know what I mean? There's, there's not everything positive. There isn't done for long hours or say this and that. But I think the the, the 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 good thing about it, and the, I I figure this, that I'm so proud, I feel so good, no, no proud, I feel very good that I make a living by making bread. You know, the the thing to put the pizza in the oven and see cooked and take it out, ooh, it fascinates me, <laughs> you know. I could, I could, I could do other things. I was never pizza man. I don't think I ever be a pizza man. You know what I mean? Although I make pizza, but what does uh, that mean? You'll never be a pizza man. You are a pizza man, aren't no, you? No, no, I'm not a pizza man. Like you, you're not the radio reporter. You are you, an individual. God knows you're more than what that. You are. I understand. You know, you just sure. Do yeah. this uh-huh. for now. You, can, you know what I mean? You don't limit yourself into. You know what I mean? I do. Okay, that's what it I mean. doesn't. It's not who you are as a whole. Yeah, it's you're like, not a pizza you know, man. You're more I, than a pizza man. What am I? I'm a secretary. No, you know, you do secretary work, but God knows where you, 
who you are, what you can be, you know. You're also a musician, right? I'm a musician, you know. What do you play? I play saxophone. So again, not to be modest, I play saxophone. You know, be a musician is something else. It's like, you know, let it study, let it dig it. You sometimes play saxophone here at yeah, Pugsley, right? Yeah, I play here, play in the school. I do concerts. You know, I mean, I'm not in a bad, but I do concerts. When I go to Italy, I do concerts, I do things. I have a lot of fun with it, you know. What did you do before you started to make pizza here in the States? When did you come to the States? I came here in 1967. What I was doing, it was a, I'm a layout man. What it means, I'm an artist with steel, wood, and things like that. I, you know, the, when they put the buildings up, all the steel structures, I would do. I was doing that. I was in charge. I could put a building up like that, knowledge with the blueprints, thing, things like that. So then, Welding when did you like get inspired to start no, making because pizza? Because I, I wanted to do something on my own. I didn't like when somebody was telling me when to eat, go to lunch, not to go to lunch, when to go vacation, to go vacation. So I wanted to be a free. Freestyle. Sal, thank you so much. Right. You're great, George. You are very, very professional. You have a beautiful uh, attitude. You know, you have a beautiful expression, and uh, you are successful. Pugsley Pizza is located just outside the gates of Fordham University in the Bronx. Patrons come back not just for the pizza, but because they love the guy who makes it and his family, Sal Natale. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Past episodes of the show are available in our archives at wfuv.org slash cityscape. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter for show updates and New York City tidbits. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Claire Drake. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.